0: Hello, I'm Dylan Papenfuss, and welcome to the Financial Executive Podcast. The COVID-19 public health crisis has forced businesses across all industries to rapidly adapt their thinking and adoption of new digital technologies and working models in order to sustain business processes. This rapid shift has introduced new security risks and challenges. Today, we speak with Troy Leheis, Digital Security Leader at Crow, to discuss what financial executives need to know about new security risks and challenges in a rapidly evolving information security climate. Thanks for joining us, Troy. Um, over the 2010s, how, how did thinking around information security change? And then from there, can you kind of... Um, comment on how things have specifically changed since the outbreak of COVID-19?
1: I go back 20 years, you think about what the threat actors were, um, the, the sophistication of the threat actors, the motivations of the threat actors, uh, not to say that they were not sophisticated, certainly they were and certainly there's there's um, a, f- uh, a fraction of them that have always been highly sophisticated and highly motivated but if you look at the masses it was relatively um, uh, almost like a hobby and there was not quite the target uh, environment for threat actors that there is today so the thinking around information security, going back again, 10 to 20 years was it's important, but maybe not critical. And as we've progressed over the last decade plus, that's moved dramatically to cybersecurity being a highly critical area for any organization because everything is driven by those threat actors. The threat actors have gotten more sophisticated, more numerous. The tools that they're using are uh, leaps and bounds uh, uh, beyond what we saw a decade ago in in part because they're sharing information, they're collaborating, there's higher stakes, there's nation states, there's organized crime syndicates. Um, and so all that has raised the profile of cybersecurity within, um, within the business community. And then of course, that has driven the criticality to any organization. What's what we're seeing then of course is more, um, more exposures being uh, um, affecting individuals. You can you know, look back at just a handful of years and you can see some major corporations that have had, have had uh, breaches that have had an impact on you know, almost in totality half of the country. And so when you add that up, certainly it's changed the mindset where uh, you know, 10 years ago, organizations um, had, certainly had budgets and they were focused primarily on prevention. So prevention being how do we stop these um, attacks from from occurring? And, and if we can stop the attacks, if we can put this nice perimeter around the organization, that's really sufficient. But of course, um, if you spend any time in the cybersecurity world these days, you hear the the, uh, the old adage: it's a it's not when it's not if, but when; it's not when, but how often. And um, yeah, that has a little bit of a fund. Uh, um, element to it for certain, um, but th- there's that there is a reality to that, and so organizations have shifted from a prevention only mindset to prevention, detection, and response, recognizing that prevention, the the best prevention techniques always have. Um, There's always some way that a threat actor, especially nation states and organized criminals and and seasoned threat actors, can always exploit some vulnerability in an organization. So you've got to shift that mindset to being singularly focused on prevention to inclusive of prevention detection and response. Um, If you look at what's happened just in the last handful of months. Um, It's absolutely taken that spotlight and magnified it, um, in in part because we we had a a good sense of comfort. Um, Organizations spent a fair amount of money putting together these cybersecurity programs. They got comfortable with where they were in comparison to the technologies being used and the methods that employees and consumers connected to these organizations. That changed very dramatically in March and so now that's taken that spotlight and it's it, I think it's you know probably a, a good thing uh, not to say that there was a waning necessarily in, in broad strokes but I think we were getting a little bit numb to, the, to cybersecurity um, I call it the psychology of cybersecurity where if you're seeing these messages popping up constantly you get a little bit of that um, fatalist point of view that, well, it is going to happen and, you know, I'm only going to do so much. Well, we've kind of refocused on technology and security over the last handful of months. So I think that's, that's a positive thing overall. Um, The other thing that I think we're seeing and we're going to continue to see is at the time that, you know, employees quickly move to work from home, consumers also needed a way or businesses also needed a way to communicate with their consumers different than they have traditionally. And so now we're seeing our our consumer or customer preferences are also changing. Um, They, they, they still desire the same services, but now of course they're going to get them in different ways. And we have to think about the security aspects of those relationships as well. The difference is employees are probably more patient. i you know, Some people may may disagree that employees are patient when it comes to security. Um, However, they're more patient than consumers who say, I used to know exactly how to get this to happen. I want it to happen faster now because technology has enabled this, and I don't want to have to jump through multiple security hoops to get what I need. Um, So that's going to be a challenge. I think that is a challenge, but you know, probably um, I I would say a good challenge um, for the cybersecurity community and for businesses in general. How do you improve that customer experience and how does cybersecurity shift from a back office function to something that's really front and center uh, in in those relationships with the customers.
0: That's really interesting. Great insight. Um, That that shift from back office to front office um, is really fascinating. Um,
1: Could you go a little bit more into detail on that? Yeah. So we we talk about it quite often that, um, you know, cybersecurity or information security has historically been a push function. So the back office, you can, you know, I think a lot of people have their certain impressions of what a cybersecurity person looks like and acts like, and, um, but they, they often, it's often viewed as a, um, Kind of a off in the corner type of service that is more disruptive than helpful to many people, right? Oh, we've got to do this. We've got to. I need. I need to change my password. I can't use a variant of the same password. Oh, now we've got multi-factor authentication Now I've got to get this text code. And so there, there's all these things that are being pushed. Um, and for environments where cybersecurity is is deemed as a necessary thing that we all have to aligned to, and it's a one-way directive push, uh, it's not to say that those organizations can't succeed in cybersecurity, but we, we need to shift as a, a business community to embracing cybersecurity throughout the enterprise and making sure that people understand, everybody understands their role in cybersecurity. Um, and there's an exercise that, that we're starting to see some organizations go through um, that allows you to really isolate, not isolate, um, there's an exercise that we're seeing organizations go through that allows you to identify by role what, what responsibilities people have and what exposure points they create for the organization when it comes to information security. With that knowledge, You can then embed policies and procedures and create awareness at the role or responsibility level, rather than trying to create some blanket procedures or blanket policies or one size fits all training. That level of embedding um, cybersecurity at the source uh, does is proving to have an improvement or is proving to um, increase. Uh, or rather, decrease the exposure that's typically created at the endpoint or at the user point. Um, so that's I think I could probably talk a little bit more about that in different variants. But that's that's maybe the heart of extending cybersecurity outside of the technology aspect and really making it a part of the overall culture of the organization. Because if you think about it, well, if you look at the statistics. Um, the breaches that occur over the last few years, 70 plus percent of those breaches started with some form of a phishing exercise. So phishing being the social engineering that, you know you send an email or you, you, um, there's a phone call that somebody reveals um, their credentials or something that's critical to um, the security of the organization. And that's typically how threat actors enter the organization. If you if you focus entirely on cybersecurity as a technology um, solution, you you're gonna miss you're gonna miss that significant vulnerability point. Not to mention your third parties and the vulnerabilities that they create.
0: Really, really important insight there. Thank you. So you've mentioned kind of that uh, importance of reinforcing some of these good practices um, how has the rapid increase in uh, you know remote work you know changed or really stressed
1: companies' information security yeah so I think to start with you had to recognize or one has to recognize that in December of last year cybersecurity um, departments within any organization, was overstaffed or understaffed and overworked to begin with. So we've got you know, statistics will tell you that we are at a, like a two million plus shortage of cybersecurity workers in this country, and that we we may not solve for that for a long time. Um, and, and cybersecurity programs have budgets just like everybody else. So what happened then in March when it would seemingly a lot of these uh, these organizations, the cybersecurity departments, were working you know, task to task and just, you know, leveraging the technology as best that they could and stretching everything as far as they could. Now, all of a sudden you've thrown this, now all of a sudden you've thrown this, um, this crisis in front of them. And um, they've, in in some cases, they've had to pause what we've seen um, now that we're a few months removed from, from the beginning of this, what we're seeing and looking back is, they made an immediate pause on certain activities, whether they were uh, planned investments, transformations, or even uh, in some unfortunate cases, day-to-day um, activities. Uh, so, so the cyber hy- hygiene of an organization—things like um, like monitoring for um, for in- incidents, monitoring for indicators of compromise. Um, standard patching. These types of things were put on the back burner, as well as planning um, and testing and training. These were all things that are still critical, but are certainly less critical than making sure that the 50% of our workforce that immediately went the 50% of our workforce that immediately became mobile, making sure that they have the right technology making sure that we can connect them properly and making sure that that connection is secure and then making sure that they're operating in a secure fashion. So you, know, you asked me earlier about moving the, the, uh, the function or the responsibility of cybersecurity from the information security group to the to the larger um, population. Now that, that population that we depend upon to be our first line of defense is now under their own set of stresses, right? They're working in a completely different environment. I'll be, I'll be at their home environment. There's a, a, a whole range of things that are going on at that home right now that they didn't deal with before. They were also accustomed to certain protocols and procedures when they're in the office on things that they could do and that they couldn't do. Um, people that could authorize certain activities by, by having a, a conversation or, or seeing them face to face. Now, that's all different. And so how did people adjust to all of that? And so you're seeing not only did, did organizations have to put in the technology to enable the, the workforce to continue, you had to put on a layer of security to that, which is obvious, but then in some cases you had to reevaluate your policies and procedures for almost everything, including, and, and most importantly, it's cybersecurity, to make sure that there was, um, what, when we were foregoing certain um, checks in the process, that there was a security measure that was maybe additionally in place. So. So I said a lot of things there, but if I were to if I were to summarize what happened and what's happening right now is because most cybersecurity functions did not have the luxury of extra time or extra budget, you now find yourself in a trade off situation where what they were doing or what they were planning in some cases had to be paused in order for them to divert their resources to handling this other um, this this mobility change Um, now what we're 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 also in this interesting space right now that uh, many organizations if you go back to March um, thought they were putting temporary measures in place so while they were securing the devices and they're securing changing policies and procedures a lot of people did this with the mindset that, well, this will be temporary. So maybe we don't need to spend the Cadillac, um, get the Cadillac version of whatever we're doing because we're gonna roll this back in a few months and all these laptops are gonna be put on a shelf or this VPN, this VPN, doesn't. maybe we don't need to test everything about it because we're gonna roll this back. It's not gonna be quite as extensive as it is numerous other things. Well, here we are now in, in uh, coming on to August And uh, the organizations that we're working with are saying, well, maybe this is going to go until in some flavor till January and yet in in beyond. Right. So um, I don't have precise statistics on this, but I I would say that um, at least 50 percent of the organizations that we're working with are saying that a a majority um, of their workforce that they move to mobile will probably stay mobile indefinitely. So now you're faced with the, did I, did I make the right decisions or do I have to, do I have to pivot once again to, to hardening this a little bit further to make it robust enough to withstand the long haul? So that's really, um, I think it's exciting in some regards for the cybersecurity professionals to be in the, in the center of all this and, and to really um, be responsible for uh, making sure that the organization is secure and pivoting um, along, you know, uh, pivoting in alignment with, with the, the rapid change of decisions that are going on with organizations. Uh, yet, at the same time, those individuals were doing something important and effective with their jobs before this. And now we're still in that trade off situation and probably more so as we hit the next budget cycle because in the next budget cycle, you're probably gonna see a reduction in budgets for most organizations across the board and cybersecurity typically is not spared from that.
0: Really, really fascinating insight. Thank you. Um, I wanna go a little bit deeper into that because more or less companies you know, were forced to kind of make these decisions, you know, and some, some were proactive and they had weeks, you know, but others made these decisions and kind of had to be ready within just a matter of days. Um, and these are significant investments and decisions um, that had pretty broad ranging impacts on their digital transformation and enabling work in order just to continue the business and to continue operating. Um, so what are the things that finance teams need to be mindful of um, with regard to kind of evaluating the impact of that of these investments have had on the company's information security?
1: I guess there's maybe a couple of different ways to look at that from a financial standpoint. As we were just talking about, you know, some of these things were put in place with the idea that it would be temporary. The life cycle mm-hmm. of some of these changes, you know, and the way that you can treat those financially would would be abbreviated. Uh, but now, of course, some of these some of these are going to be throwaways. Some of this some of the some of these investments are just in order for us to make a one-time pivot or change within the organization and we're not going to see a long-term return on some of those things um, in other cases they did they would have set the foundation for greater investment or greater expansion it's it's um, I think what's happened it was inevitable not in the sense that we had a crisis and and that the of of that sort, but the transformation that it caused was going to happen over time, regardless Mm -hmm. what, of course, I don't think anybody anticipated the acceleration of the change to be a matter of weeks or months. So what, what, for many organizations, there was some flavor of this probably on a roadmap somewhere or Mm -hmm. part of their digital transformation in um, the, their long term strategy, both from, the, from their customer perspective as well as their employees' perspective. So, so these investments were probably being contemplated. Um, but again, the velocity that, of the change did not allow most organizations to say that they're getting their finest and best solutions in place for this. So as a result of that, I do think that some of this is going to be written off as, um, as, as a function of the time and not necessarily as a permanent, uh, investment. Um, but, it, but I do think that, um, I do think that some of this, as I mentioned, especially with the consumer, there are things that are happening right now for organizations that they are being thrust into this, but they are making very quick and, um, and um, I would say, well-aligned solutions to to their strategy. So these investments will pay off in the long run. What's historically been a problem with cybersecurity is the lack of ability to truly measure um, the or to quantify the risk of cybersecurity in financial terms. And so it's an issue that's. Now sort of being solved for, if you pay attention, and, and, I, and, um, and I know a lot of CISOs are probably aware of this, maybe not as many in the financial space, but there are tools that have been uh, coming into the market for the last 12 plus months labeled with this risk quantification tool. And they're really impressive in their ability to um, identify and predict or project the um, The loss that would be incurred as a result of certain types of cybersecurity events. What that further allows them to do is measure the return on investment against that forecasted loss. So, for example, you're an organization of a moderate size, uh, moderate complexity, and you have certain scenarios that could expose the organization to moderate to high risk. That may create an exposure of you know, 5 to $10 million of of any one of these threat scenarios. With that knowledge and the right tooling, you can then measure the investments of putting in multi-factor authentication or improving your endpoint detection. Or, um, you know, we talked about, you know, prevention, detection and response, detection and response, improving your monitoring, logging, um, your, you know, sim tools, whatever this tool is, you know, when cybersecurity professionals ask for a half a million dollars, the question is, well, what is this going to get me? Well, now you can actually measure that half a million dollars and say, okay, well, our projected losses for the next for the next twelve months under these certain events would be, let's just pick a number, seven and a half million dollars. Well, this half a million dollar investment could lower that projected loss from seven and a half million dollars to six million dollars. Right now we have something to work with to, to understand if that half a million dollars is better spent here or in some other part of the organization. Now there's certain, there's a de minimis level of, um, of controls that need to be in place with the organization. Um, but strengthening those controls is now an easier conversation to have financially with some of these some of these tools. So I, I might have taken um, Dylan a little bit of a, a left turn on your question there but I, I think um, there's a few different ways to look at that and the good news is, is that there's there's increased tools and modeling that are at the, um, uh, that are available to financial um, uh, the financial community to be able to make some of these more informed decisions.
0: That's a really, really great insight. Um, like you said, one of the real weaknesses is that it's hard to quantify, right. um, you know, what a potential loss from cybersecurity can be. So it's important that financial executives have the tools to know what the real risk is, um, or at least to get a better idea, to be more informed. Um, and to be more informed in making these really important investment decisions, um, so really, really excellent insight. Thank you. Um, over the last few years, um, there's been an increase in academic literature, and um, a term that they use for the dark side of digital transformation. Um, what, how, what they what they identify is just new risks um, from some of these emerging technologies. Um, so, from your perspective, from your understanding, how do some of these um, emerging technologies change the risk equation?
1: Yeah. So, if the risk equation is is the battle between good and evil, the battle between the threat actors and the um, the good guys, then I think it has it. It's it's going to show up on both sides of the equation. And here's here's why, and I, I think uh, um, there's there's a few uh, uh, primary technologies or methods that people are utilizing on both sides in in this uh, cyber war. Um, RPA, artificial intelligence, um, big data. If that not necessarily a technology, but a utilization that uses technology. Um, so what you're seeing is on the um, on the good side uh, you're seeing uh, probably it's difficult to um, to look at a new technology that's come about in the last two years without them advertising some flavor of artificial intelligence being in, in, embedded in those um, whether it's next generation firewalls or SIM um, tools, the monitoring and, and logging tools, uh, <laughs> even some of your antivirus and endpoint detection. All of these tools are, are we have, and, and these technology vendors have access to a lot more information, and they're aggregating the information that they're gathering from their, their customers in a way that allows them to apply artificial intelligence, machine learning, to be able to make faster decisions, which in cybersecurity speed is everything. The ability to be able to identify something's happening and shut it down immediately is one of the uh, is one of the biggest advantages of using AI, machine learning, and all of this, um, and removing. And the RPA part comes in a little bit. Removing the need for humans to be a part of that process. Unfortunately, threat actors, their their sophistication is amazing. And I don't say that in awe necessarily, but I say that um, to, to really drive home the point that it's not just the nation states that have Um, abundant resources what i mentioned earlier is true that in and exchanged and they're collaborating much the way that we collaborate in the business world to create more powerful tools that they use and they're embedding the same technologies ai and machine learning into um, those technologies as well so it's a it's a it's definitely um, a cat and mouse game where that, you know, everybody has access to some degree to the same level of technology and it's who's going to be able to make the most of that. I would say that um, even though I'm, I'm talking about how sophisticated these threat actors are, um, there's reason to be very optimistic with what's, what's the way that we're utilizing technology and the new forms of technology that are coming out for the good guys to use. There's an abundance of people that are thinking about how to use these tools, and I think we're going to see further and further automation, um, and and that's going to help us shrink the um, the time to detect something that is occurring within that something. Uh, that's going to allow us to shrink the time to detect a um, incident that's occurring, and that's probably one of the biggest areas for improvement within cybersecurity today.
0: Really really excellent analysis of, you know, the good guys versus bad guys. Um, Troy, I will leave you with the
1: final word. Uh, Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. I enjoy talking about this and this is is an incredibly dynamic and exciting field. And I, I do believe that what's happened as a result of this pandemic has certainly um, changed the way that uh, we operate from a cybersecurity standpoint, and I think it's elevated most people's understanding of the importance of cybersecurity. My hope is that 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 feeling, that understanding, does not change as we start to move further and further away from this moment. In fact. Many organizations are gonna to continue to propel their digital transformation. They're moving to the cloud, whatever it is that they have that they're, 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 they're um, is a part of their future strategy. I would say that that is in incredibly um, beneficial and maybe even critical to embed cybersecurity at the source of that decision-making and that strategy. So I would encourage people, as much as they're focused on cybersecurity today, to increase that level of focus by including your cybersecurity professionals in making strategy and embedding them into the business, you, you'd be surprised at um, how much cybersecurity can give you a competitive advantage when you're bringing um, those, when you're when you're um, you'd be surprised at how much that cybersecurity can be a competitive advantage for organizations when you're including that mentality and that thought in your strategies
0: really really excellent final word thank you for a really enlightening conversation Troy
1: thank you Dylan